everybody. Welcome to Live with Lon. And I'm Lon, <laughs> and I'm happy to be with you. Praise the Lord. Anyway, uh, we are studying the Gospel of John. If you remember, uh, we're actually studying the Gospels, uh, but we uh, moved through the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, called Synoptic because they're very similar. We moved through them and got to the triumphal entry, and now we've gone back to John's Gospel, and the triumphal entry in John's Gospel is John chapter 12, so we're trying to catch up with the other three Gospels, and then in John 12 we'll put everything together and do the last week of Jesus' life from all four Gospels. So that's our plan. And we are in John chapter 11, the most amazing chapter, amazing chapter. Uh, of course, so was 10, and so was 9, and <laughs> John's gospel is amazing. So let's pray, and we're going to dig in. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege of studying the eternal Word of God today. Lord Jesus, use the Word of God in our lives, and... Uh, help us to regard it as the uh, very words of God himself to our hearts uh, who read it. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give us understanding of the word today and that he, he would use it in our life to encourage and to strengthen and to fortify us in our walk here on earth till we're with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, what'd you say? Amen, and what? Amen. John chapter 11. If you remember the story, Jesus has three good friends living in Bethany, a little village just over the Mount of Olives from Jerusalem, about two miles or so. And uh, they were Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. Uh, this was the Mary and Martha, where Martha was busy serving the meal, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha said, Make her help me, Lord. Yeah, that, that's them. And they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, very deathly uh, ill, and asked him to come uh, and, and, you know, ostensibly heal Lazarus. He didn't come. He let Lazarus die. And then he came to Bethany. And if you remember, we left off with Martha saying to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, this is all your fault. And you need to go back and listen to that message about this all being your fault, God. Uh, because nothing's ever God's fault. God doesn't make, doesn't have fault. He doesn't do anything that's faulty. But you listen to that. Now, we're going to pick up in John chapter 11, and we're going to pick up in verse 21. Uh, then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. So raise my brother up. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, 
I am the resurrection, uh, uh, Martha. I don't do the resurrection of people. I am the resurrection. I'm the living resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall still live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world by prophecy in the Old Testament. And when she had said these things, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she, Mary, heard that, she arose quickly and came to him, Jesus. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. And then the Jewish people who were with Mary in the house, and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Sound familiar? That's exactly what Martha said. I think the two of them had been comparing notes. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jewish people who came with her also weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jewish people said, You see how he loved him, Lazarus? And some of them said, Could not this man, who opened the eyes of the blind, also have kept this man from dying, Lazarus? You know, guys, wow. No matter what you do, there's already always somebody there to critique it and criticize it, huh? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. In fact, if you go to Israel with me in February, we go to Bethany, where you can see this cave, the actual cave, and where the stone was. Absolutely. When I do a sermon there about all of this, Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha the sister of him who was dead, said to Jesus, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Then Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then, of course, they remove the stone, and we'll pick up there later. Now, the, this passage is an amazing passage, and we're going to take several weeks in this passage because there's so much in here we want to talk about. We want to talk about Jesus groaning in his spirit and weeping. Uh, uh, we we want to talk about um, uh, Mary and Martha and uh, their response to Jesus. We want to talk about the people who said, couldn't he have kept him from dying, this guy who opened the eyes of the blind? Ah! we we got a lot to talk about. But today, I want to talk about this comment 
that Jesus makes to Mary and Martha, particularly to Martha. Look what he said. Uh, we're, we're looking at verse 40. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, Jesus said something very similar to this at the very beginning of the chapter. If you look back, look with me if uh, uh, verse 4. And when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, This sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This sickness is for the glory of God. And did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Now, folks, in the scripture, the glory of God is a possession uh, that the Lord has. Uh, it, 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 the glory of the universe emanates from him, that is God, wherever he is, uh, because he is so glorious. He's the holy righteous God of the universe. It's a possession of his. It is an uh, uh, attribute of his. And look at this. Uh, just a couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 6. Look what Isaiah says. He's lifted up into heaven, or he has a vision, whatever. We don't know for sure, but whatever happened, he saw God. And, and he said, verse 5, of Isaiah 6. Woe is me, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for I have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now compare this to John chapter 12, verse 41. Look at this. These things Isaiah said when he saw his, God's glory, and spoke of him. So, God's glory was something Isaiah saw because it, it emanates from God. Uh, how about chapter 7 of the book of Acts, where we're looking at the stoning of Stephen and the death of Stephen. And look what Stephen says as he's about to die. He says in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven, Stephen, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw God's glory there surrounding God uh, as a, an emanation, a shining uh, of God. So, like I said, uh, the glory of God is a thing that God possesses that shines out of God everywhere that he is and that is part of his nature. Okay, but this is not what Jesus was talking about when he said in Acts chapter, but this is not what Jesus was talking about exactly when he said in John chapter 11, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And then later in the chapter, when he says to Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, 
Did he mean that Martha, if she believed, would see God like Isaiah did and would see the preeminent, uh, effervescent glory of God emanating from God? No, that's not what, he's, what he means. She never was transmitted to heaven or had a vision and saw that there at Lazarus' tomb. Uh, so what's Jesus talking about? Because it's not the same thing that Isaiah was talking about uh, or that uh, Stephen was talking about. What's that mean? Have you ever wondered about that? I mean, we tend to read these verses. We get so familiar with them that we just read through them. Did I not say you would see the glory of God? What does that mean? What's Jesus talking about? If he's not talking about seeing God himself and his unbelievable effervescent glory. What's, what's Jesus talking about? Well, that's important here. And I want to talk to you about it for just a couple minutes and then we're done. But first, what do we have to do? <laughs> we have to ask our most important question, right? And you know what it is. So come on, here we go. One, two, three. So what? Yes, yes. And uh, with my surgery coming up and the recovery, uh, I'm sitting here right now and I'm in no pain and I haven't had it yet. Uh, so I say, ha <laughs> baby, how sweet it is. But even afterwards, my wife keeps assuring me that I'm going to say how sweet it is because I'm going to be able to walk better. So, uh, how sweet it is. Or as Jackie would say, or as we would say, that's how Jackie would say it, how sweet it is. We say how sweet it is. Now, what's the takeaway from here? And what's the not a sermon, just a thought? What's the point that I want you to take away from the sermon today? Well, it is this comment by Jesus that Martha, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. That this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. What happened at the tomb? Well, you say, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That's right. And what would we call that? Come on now, you can say it. Um, what is it? A miracle. Correct. A miraculous doing on the part of the Lord. So what's he talking about here? He is saying, listen carefully, that his doing something supernatural and miraculous, like raising Lazarus from the dead, is seeing the glory of God. You're not seeing God in all of his, uh, uh, you know, ebullient gl glory, like, a lot, like Isaiah did. But you're seeing the glory of God in the, in the work, in the miracle, in the supernatural event. <clears throat> you say, okay, so uh, the, uh, the resurrecting someone reveals the glory of God. Well, not just resurrecting someone. Uh, let me point you back to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, where Jesus in Cana changed water into wine. Look what verse 11 says. It says, this was the beginning of signs, supernatural things Jesus did 
in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So here, Jesus allowed people to see his glory, manifested it, uh, but he didn't raise anybody from the dead. He did a miracle. He did a supernatural thing, changing water into wine. Uh, but this is not specifically something that's reserved, what Jesus said about seeing God's glory for resurrecting people. You with me? Now, you say, Lon, I'm with you, uh, but what's the point? Here's the point. The point is, God has this personal, ebullient, effervescent, shining glory that anyone who sees him sees this glory. It's a thing. It's a possession. It's an attribute of our holy God. But the glory of God is also seen in the supernatural working of God here on earth in people's lives. Are you with me? So when God does something supernatural, here's the point, and does something miraculous in, on, here on earth in people's lives, people, by seeing that, are seeing the glory of God reflected and in operation here on earth. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Okay, that's what Jesus says. I never really noticed this, all, all, honestly. I never really paid any attention. I just flew right by Jesus' comment. You will see the glory of God. Until, honestly, studying for this message, and suddenly the Holy Spirit said to me, hey, there's something here I want you to see. Notice this. See, that's why you keep reading the scripture. There's always something new the Holy Spirit will point out to you. Now, What's the point for you and me? Friends, when we, here it is, listen, it's what I want you to take away, when we allow God, when we give him the opportunity and the platform to do something supernatural and miraculous in our life, when we trust him to do great and mighty things that we know not, Jeremiah 33, 3, we are creating an opportunity for the glory of God to be seen by our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family, people all around us. And when we tell people about the glorious things God has done supernaturally in our life, even though it may be in the past, we are allowing people to see the glory of God, described to them, told to them, in our recounting of this supernatural work God did. Do you understand? If you want, if I want, to give God glory, that doesn't mean that I just stand somewhere with my hand up and say, glory, glory. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But if I want to give, really give God glory in my life, there's two things I can do. Number one, I can tell people 
about the supernatural things God's already done in my life. And number two, I can be willing to trust him for supernatural things now and in the future where people watching will go, whoa, whoa, what a glorious God she's got, he's got. Are you with me? The people watching hear Jesus raise Lazarus. The Bible goes on to say, and many believed. Why? Because they saw the glory of God in this healing, in this miracle. And in chapter 12, the Bible says uh, that the, the, the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Lazarus too. Look, look at this, chapter 12, verse 9. Then a great many of the Jewish people knew that Jesus was there, and they came not just for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests took counsel how they might also put Lazarus to death, because on account of him, many of the Jewish people went away and believed in Jesus. So as Lazarus continued to recount the story, he continued to give glory to God and bring people to Christ. So I want to challenge you. Number one, don't ever stop telling people the stories, your children, your grandchildren, your friends when you get the opportunity, your neighbors, whoever, your co-workers, of the great and mighty things the Lord has done for you. Uh, this is what Jesus told a legion in Mark chapter 5. He said, I want you to go everywhere and tell people what great things God has done for you. Why? Because when they hear these things, it brings glory to God, you recounting these things. Be vocal about it. <clears throat> it never gets old. I remember the movie Avalon. A great movie about a Jewish man who moves, comes to Baltimore. And uh, his name was Sam. And he, kept, he always kept telling stories and stories and stories to his children and his grandchildren. And his wife kept saying, Sam, Sam, enough already. They don't want to hear any more stories. Yes, they do. My grandchildren gather around me and go, Papa, Papa, tell us some more stories. Tell us some more stories. My wife may not want to hear it again and again and again, <laughs> uh, but my grandchildren love it. They eat it up with a spoon. Don't you ever think that people, especially your children and your grandchildren, don't want to know the great and mighty things God has done for you? They do. Tell them. Be vocal. Be open. Tell it again and again and again, because every time you do, you're bringing glory to God. And second of all, let me say, don't ever get to the point, please, in your Christian life where you and I stop giving God the opportunity to do great and mighty things for us that we know not. We never get so old that God doesn't want us to trust him for supernatural things in our life. Never do we get too old for that. Abraham, uh, uh, Abraham was a hundred years old when he trusted God for the birth of Isaac, and probably close to 120 or 30 years old when he trusted God when he took Isaac up on Mount Moriah uh, and, and, and in obedience to God uh, to sacrifice him, which of course never happened. God stepped in, but Abraham, that was a huge act of faith, and he was over a hundred years old. 
always, folks, always be available to trust God to do something supernatural for you. And I think of that song, Oceans, and there's a great sign, uh, a line in there that says, Take me where my faith has no boundaries. That's where we want to be. Our faith having no boundaries, we can trust God for anything if he asks us to. Because when he does those things, people standing around and watching, they give glory to God. God receives glory from the miracle and the supernatural event. Do you understand? You know, my oldest son, James, uh, who's a doctor in the Navy, as you know, he's getting out soon, though. Uh, and went to the Naval Academy, loved this child. He's not a child anymore, but love this man. Have, have oodles of props and respect for this man, as I do all my boys. Uh, you know what? When he was growing up, and I never knew this until recently, he made the comment recently uh, to a friend who told me about it uh, and said, you know, James told me, that one of the things that was most helpful to his faith was watching God answer prayers for you, Lon, and, and hearing about God answering prayers for you from even before he was born, and se seeing these miraculous answers to prayer, great and mighty things that we knew not, was what really confirmed and encouraged his faith in many respects. Uh, he never has said that to me. I never knew that. It was just part of my life to tell him and let him watch and be part of God moving and doing supernatural things. But you know what? All of those things brought glory to God in James' life. And, and in your children, in your grandchildren's lives, the same will happen. Tell them what God has done. Don't make them... Uh, uh, poor with memories about what God has done for you. Tell them again and again and again. Yes. Gather them around and say, let me, let me tell you something the Lord did for me. And then tell them something supernatural he did. And you know what? To this day, I'm still trying to be that kind of person with my children and my grandchildren and friends around me. I'll close with two incidents. They're short. I have a very good friend named Dick Williams living in uh, near Na right outside of Nashville right now. Hey, Dick, shout out to you, brother, you and Judy. I love you guys. Uh, but Dick, years ago, was living here in Washington, D.C., and he was the general manager at a TV station here in Washington, D.C. And we became friends because they were attending McLean Bible Church. And I'm not sure at this point that when this uh, event I'm going to tell you about happened, I'm not sure Dick had actually given his heart to Jesus in, in saving faith yet. He has now, of course. I'm not, I'm not sure that he really had. Uh, he was still feeling this out. He was born and raised Catholic, but he was still feeling this out. And long story short, what happened was I lived in this neighborhood. My wife Brenda was up at Johns Hopkins. Jill was an inpatient for a while up there in this particular time. 
and they were trying to figure out what in the world was going on with all these awful seizures. Anyway, it was time for her to come home, and we had a big snow. I'm talking a foot and a half, something like that. It was a significant snow. And in my neighborhood, uh, the, my house was down at the end by a cul-de-sac, but there was a little, the road went kind of up and down in a hump and came down to my house. Well, I didn't have, uh, my car uh, was just a little Toyota with rear-wheel drive, and I knew I couldn't get it out. So I asked Dick if he would come and bring his front-wheel drive automobile and pick me up and take me to Baltimore so I could pick Brendan Jill up. Anyway, he came, and we, wa we walked up to meet him, because what happened was he came over that hump, boom, stuck, car, no move, couldn't go forwards, couldn't go backwards, stuck as could be. And we walked up, he called me, and we walked up, uh, the I don't know, a few hundred yards, and there we couldn't go forward, couldn't go backwards. There we were. Brenda's waiting for us to come get him. I mean, you, come get her. There we were. And, and someone said, I don't remember who it was that said, you know, well, we need we need a snowplow. And uh, we all kind of shook our head. And I said, okay, let's trust God. Let's pray, and we're going to trust God for a snowplow. I mean, there wasn't a snowplow anywhere in sight. I threw my arm around Dick, <laughs> and I started to pray, and his eyes were like, Blur. I don't think he was used to that. Threw my arm around him. We're all standing out there in the snow in the middle of the day, and I said, Lord Jesus, please, you can do anything. We're standing here, Lord Jesus, and we need a snowplow. Uh, please. Uh, I don't know where you're going to bring it from, uh, but we desperately need a snowplow, Lord Jesus. And I just want you to show, Dick, your amazing reality and power. Show all of us by bringing us the snowplow. In Jesus' name, amen. And as soon as I prayed it, I thought, oh, boy, what have I done? Oh, my gosh. What happens if no snowplow shows up? How does this when you put the affect Dick's coming to cry? Okay. I was just like, Lord, I, I, please, I didn't mean to put you in this situation, I don't know, but Lord, please, friends, I lie not. <laughs> we all, I lie not. Call Dick Williams up if you don't believe me. It could not have been 20 seconds. All of a sudden, coming from behind, where Dick had already come from, towards us, was this... And up above the little hill came this massive truck with the snow plow on the front. I thought Dick was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I thought Judy, his wife, was going to have a heart attack. My boys all stood there like, with they, I, even I went, Lord, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. I could, it wasn't 20 seconds. Rump, 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 plowed everything out. We went and got Brenda. Friends, did that bring glory to God and convince my friend Dick that there was a living God who hears prayer and intervenes in our world? You betcha! But we, we, we can't be afraid to trust God and give him the opportunity to do great and mighty things. Finally, uh, we were over at Tyson's Corner a Mall. Uh, this was probably a year ago.
and it was after uh, church, and we were going there to eat uh, at the at Nordstrom Cafe, and we uh, we were sitting in the little upper lot. If you know what I'm talking about, if you know Tyson's, uh, there's a little upper parking lot outside Nordstrom, and then there's on the other side of Nordstrom there's this big old parking garage, and I don't like to park in the parking garage. I want to get one of the spots out there in this little lot, but they're 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 very hard to get. People sit there with their blinker on, just waiting for people to come walking out of Nordstrom, and then they follow them until they get to their car. So we drive up. There's no spots. We're looking around. But Tyler, my grandson's with me, and so we pulled up. There's no spots, and we're sitting there along one of the rows, and I said, Tyler, let's pray. And he's like, okay. And I go, Lord Jesus, please, we need a parking spot. Please, I'm asking you, open a parking spot right here in this upper lot for us, please, and show your glory uh, to my grandson, Tyler. In Jesus' name, amen. And again, after that prayer, I'm like, Oh boy, Lord, please, I'll put you in this. I'm a little sorry I, I just stuck you in this. But Lord, please, for Tyler's sake, please, I know you can do it. For Tyler's sake, I'm not lying to you. If you don't believe me, ask Tyler. It couldn't have been, after we said amen, it could not have been 10 seconds, maybe less, where right in front of us, we were just sitting there, you know, with the cars all parked, Ten seconds, these backup lights go on, and this car backs out, and all the people, you know, uh, the parasites there like me, <laughs> looking for a spot, couldn't get there fast enough. I'm sitting right there. It's literally ten, not even ten feet in front of me, five feet in front of me. This car backs out. I pull in. I say, thank you, Jesus. We appreciate that. And Tyler turns to me, <laughs> and he says, Now, Papa, he says, that was a miracle. Praise the Lord. That was a miracle. Hey, you know what? All I did was give God a chance to show Tyler his glory, and he did it. And he'll do it for you. Now, don't tempt the Lord and ask him for crazy stuff like, you say, parking space lawn is crazy stuff. No, it isn't. No. Uh, pray about your lost keys. Let people see God help you find them. All kinds of things. Let, let, uh, and let people see it and tell them the stories. Because that brings glory to God. Okay, I think you got the point. Time to stop. I hope this will change uh, the way you live. Want to give glory to God? You don't just do it by singing or saying, glory, praise the Lord. No, you do it by letting people see the powerful, omnipotent God of the universe do things for you, great and mighty things that you know not, that are supernatural, that are miraculous. And people, when they see it, what did Jesus say to Martha? They see the glory of God. Tell them about it. And let them see it in your life on a continuing basis. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us. Encourage us. Challenge us. 
to let people see the glory of God through our willingness to let you do, Jeremiah 33, 3, great and mighty things that we know not. Ephesians chapter 3 says, Lord, you can do th uh, things that are exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask and think according to the power uh, that of you working in us. So, Lord Jesus, get, let us be quick to give you those kind of opportunities and tell people about what you did and have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, last thought. I remember when I was coming to Christ and God healed my dog Noah. You know my testimony, many of you, of mange. I had five or six guys that were living in this house that we were living in. And they saw this happen. They, they knew he had the mange. He lived right there in the house. They, they knew that it wasn't rea uh, responding to treatment. Uh, and they saw God heal him. Man, the glory that brought to God. One of them said, just a coincidence. And I said, oh, no, it isn't. And no, it wasn't. No, it's not. And I still tell that story to this day to give glory to God and let people see it. I had a guy one time say to me, I'm sorry, uh, God healing dogs uh, doesn't fit with my theology. <laughs> and I said to him, well, my friend, God is bigger than your theology because God healed my dog. I don't care what you think in your theology. I'm just telling you, God healed my dog. He's bigger than your theology. Praise the Lord. See you next week on Live with Lon. Lord willing.